always makes me feel stupid that I don't know, but I probably should. They're embryos, aren't they? What do I know about stem cells? I know stem cells are valuable because they can make any cell from the stem cells. I think using um, the fetuses. How they work is not important to me as long as it's something that works. Ideally, people probably should know because it's something, I mean, everybody talks about it. As often as they've grabbed the headlines, human embryonic stem cells remain an enigma to many Californians. What are these tiny biological entities? And why has stem cell research become such a complex issue? Dr. Arnold Kriegstein is the award-winning director of the Developmental and Stem Cell Biology Program at UC San Francisco. Stem cells are really quite amazing. They, they are individual cells that uh, one derives from an embryo at a stage when uh, there is no specific organ development. There isn't a nerve cell or brain cell or whatever. The cells there are actually uh, pluripotent. They have the potential to become any of the tissues in the body. And, and you can actually take those cells and, in a culture dish, uh, self-renew them, maintain them, and in fact, expand their numbers. That then allows you to take that building material and start turning those cells into specific uh, differentiated cell types, like muscle cells for the heart, or bone cells, or nerve cells. Since researchers first isolated them in 1998, scientists have predicted that future human embryonic stem cell treatments may one day work as a super repair kit for the body, generating healthy tissues to grow replacement organs, or even curing cancer. The embryonic stem cells are really there at a very early stage in embryonic development, just three or to five days after fertilization. At that stage, uh, the entire embryo consists of 100 or 150 cells that look very much identical to each other, and, and none of them have become fully differentiated. That's the stage at which embryonic stem cell lines are derived. Stem cell lines are families of self-regenerating cells grown from a single parent group of stem cells. The most flexible of these, and therefore most useful to researchers, are harvested from donated human embryos, usually destroying the embryo. Stem cell lines can also be cultured from the organs of living adults, but these adult stem cells have limited capabilities. Their potential has been restricted. So if there's, for instance, a stem cell in the nervous system or in the brain, it's what's called a neural stem cell at that point. It has the ability to make other kinds of cells you find in the brain, but it's not going to make uh, the kind of cells you'd find in the heart or the liver or the pancreas. So it's been restricted. It's no longer what we call pluripotential. The true pluripotential cells that can make all those different types of cells come from the early embryo, and they're the embryonic stem cells. Because human embryonic stem cells have the potential to turn into any kind of cell, that's made them the tool of choice for most researchers. But they're not without controversy. Some conservatives have opposed stem cell research, saying that destroying a human embryo is tantamount to destroying human life. Supporters, however, note that the embryos used are tiny clusters of a few undifferentiated cells, smaller than the head of a pin the embryo we're talking about is really not a fetus. And these embryos don't have organs at the stage we're talking about. There are 100 or 150 cells that are a cluster smaller than the dot at the end of a sentence. They are not specific cell types. There certainly are no organs or limbs. Embryonic stem cell research offers both great promise and great, per and great peril. So I have decided we must proceed with great care. 
In 2001, President Bush decided to ban federal funding of research based on the destruction of new human embryos. Even the thousands of such embryos discarded by fertility clinics every year would be off limits. Scientists were clamoring to explore embryonic stem cells for some time. But when George Bush took office, his decision was that um, any embryonic stem cell lines that were then in existence, and this was in August of 2001, could be eligible for NIH funding to study. I have concluded that we should allow federal funds to be used for research on these existing stem cell lines, where the life and death decision has already been made. The rush to get fundable lines onto the presidential list before the 2001 deadline produced some questionable results. So many of the so-called stem cell lines that were submitted at the time were actually not lines. They couldn't self-renew, which is the hallmark of a stem cell. With federal funding out of the picture, most researchers, like Dr. Susan Fisher, were left with no options. Fisher's work on human placental cells would require the development of new stem cell lines. I think there are a number of quite good cells on the registry, but also when you want to encompass all of human biology and cell lines, you can imagine that less than 20 is not going to do it. This is where the state of California stepped in with a radical new solution. Put it to the voters. 59% of Californians voted in November of 2004 to commit $3 billion over a period of 10 years to stem cell research. This, in a way, positions California to fill in the areas that the federal government cannot venture at this moment. The $3 billion provided by Proposition 71 established the California Institute for Regenerative Medicine, or CIRM. Its mandate is to evaluate proposals and distribute funds to universities and other research institutions. The new law triggered a gold rush of stem cell science. For world-class researchers like Dr. Deepak Srivastava, Prop 71 finally made new research possible. I was interested uh, from the time I was in medical school about the, a very basic question about how a cell decides what it's going to be. And as I went along in my medical training, and became a pediatric cardiologist, it became clear that the clinical problems I was addressing were in fact a problem of a stem cell, early embryonic stem cell, not being instructed to become a heart cell or subsequently not positioning itself properly with its neighbors to form the proper three-dimensional structure of a heart. Srivastava and his team hope that by carefully controlling early stem cell differentiation, they can create cultures of partially developed heart stem cells called progenitors. If you introduce a uh, stem cell into an organ, then it's absolutely critical that it only become the cell type of that organ and nothing else. So you want to introduce a cell that can still expand and divide once you put it in, but it's already far along enough on the way that it's only going to become, say, a heart cell or a brain cell, etc. Not, you don't want a brain cell in your heart. These progenitor cells would act as the raw material to replace damaged heart tissue or even entire heart structures. One can imagine growing on a scaffold, a what we call biodegradable scaffold, where a structure of a valve is created with a matrix 
and then it's seeded with uh, stem cells that can turn into the covering layer. And then once that structure is there, the inside scaffold can dissolve away and you're left with the outside cells that came from the same patient. That valve tissue then could be transplanted, now implanted, back into the patients for use. Research into treatment such as this would have been difficult, if not impossible, without the alternative funding source offered by the California Institute of Regenerative Medicine. No single person or single agency is smart enough to think of where research will go, where the most promising avenues and where the new breakthroughs will come from. Therefore, it's really important to cast a wide net, and these initial initiatives tried to do that. Science is all about innovation, creativity, and freedom of investigation. The last several years, uh, that's been somewhat stifled, at least in the stem cell field. Prop 71, I think, has allowed investigators like myself to think freely about how we can move human embryonic stem cell research forward without having to compromise on pursuing the right scientific questions. Eventually, scientists say, stem cells may one day provide cures for Parkinson's, juvenile diabetes, and many other diseases. And in California, the seedbed for this work has been prepared. For Dr. Srivastava, it's a medical frontier that holds unimaginable promise. The most exciting thing to me about the research uh, is the fundamental question of life. How it is that a cell that starts off with you know, one type of DNA can turn into the 200 or so different types of cells in the body. It's the excitement of that discovery that will form the foundation for all the therapies.